Hey, this is Sean from the Wasted Knowledge Podcast. Thank you for tuning back in. This is episode six, uh, part two of season two, our interview with Ashley Rule. Uh, in this section, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, playing games analytically. We're actually going to jump in the conversation where we're kind of wrapping up talking about diversity. Uh, so uh, analytically playing games, uh, story loops, uh, drinking while, while gaming, uh, and then also just we're going to branch into uh, drinking in general, drunk thoughts, uh, epic drinking uh, uh, experiences. And then, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Malort and then have some. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the episode. Cheers. Yeah, I, um, I think, too, that there is, especially in the last decade, I feel like uh, there is a pushback against progress because people feel like, oh, well, suddenly all these things are an issue. It wasn't an issue for the last 20 years of my life. Why is it an issue now? And the fact is, no, it's always been an issue. It's just that people feel more comfortable about putting it on a public stage now. That it, these are things that have bubbled under the surface for decades. And uh, whether it's sexism or racism or uh, transphobia, like all that kind of stuff, is stuff that has existed and people are pushing back against, but now we feel like we can actually have a platform and a public platform that will support us. The power structures I've seen in a lot of studios that I've been in, a lot of the people who are younger are much more willing to be wrong and uh, allow themselves to be vulnerable and say, oh, sorry, let me fix that. Whereas people who have been entrenched in these power structures for decades uh, have this notion that they have to be right and they have to prove that they're right. They have to stand their ground because that's how you show strength. You show strength by not backing down even if you're wrong. And that I find that very unhealthy. Uh, and I think that's, that's the biggest pushback in studios is that they just don't want to be proven wrong or to be confronted that maybe what they were doing for a very long time was not considerate and uh, could have been done better. They just don't want to admit that they have any fault. I have another question going back towards uh, going a little bit different route, but I found it interesting you were talking earlier about uh, uh, like looking at games and things like that. Being a game developer, how does that affect the way that you like look at or play video games? Now, are you like hypercritical at times, or you can't even give? There's some games that like would be fun, but you can't even enjoy now because of this or that. Or yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel like the giver, where it's like I, I see I see color and it's awful. <laughs> it's yeah, it's tough. Um, but I do like playing critically. I like playing games for the purpose of educating myself on how people make games and also trying to understand why people like certain games. Because <laughs> I, have, I have to understand that even if I don't like that game, I need to understand why people like that game. Like the game we re released recently is very Dark Souls-like. I don't like Dark Souls. I don't like that game loop or the 
you know, I don't really enjoy playing games like that, but I need to understand why other people like it in order to make a product for them. I, just, I was looking for a romance in Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I, I wanted to scratch that itch. I haven't had a good one that I've really enjoyed since Mass Effect, uh, the original tri trilogy, and I was like, oh, Cassandra is so cool. Like, she's this awesome badass Grecian warrior. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find her someone special. And uh yeah, I I couldn't get into it because every time I was in a dialogue choice and I saw a heart next to it, I was just like, oh this is the flirt option. This is path to sex. There it is. It just I could not develop any emotional response and I don't know if you guys care about spoilers about this game. No. Okay, so there's this character named Brasidas. I'm just gonna vent about this for a little bit. Brasidas is a historical figure. He was a general, I think, in the Spartan army. And in this one cutscene, uh, she is in a warehouse with a bunch of baddies, and he shows up, and he just knocks, like, nails a guy with his spear, and then they're fighting back to back, and they're doing this awesome, like, duo thing. And I was like, him! I want to romance him! <laughs> The game never let me. And he was like in every mission. He was in the main storyline missions. And I was like, there has to be an option. He's one of the main characters. I have to be able to romance him. Never got the chance. And then this battle happens where my evil uh, sibling comes up and is killing everybody. He's with the bad guys. And then he just fights Brasidas and then stabs him through the head, up through his chin, out at the top of his head. He's dead. No fanfare, and then it's over. And then I never got any chance. My character never had a moment to mourn or like a scene where it's like, oh, Brasidas, I'm so sorry. Just boom, he's gone. And I was so mad because I just felt like they set up this amazing character that I could like really be attracted to, and I was, but they just killed him off. And I'm like, did you not see this coming? Like when you made this, did you not see people wanting to be with this character? And maybe like even if I had gotten a chance to romance him and then he died, then I and then we had like a, a really sad tragic scene. I love a good tragic romance, but they just didn't give me the option to like romance him. That's surprise. I mean, that that is so surprising just on his face for someone. Once, if not several times, jumps in the fray to save you, and then later on they die. To not mourn them in some even small way, there like was, so, like there the was first... the minuscule way that she she had a bark after the things like oh sorry, Brasidas. No, that was it. <laughs> no, that that's like it. that's like that's when you like I don't know cut off a lock of your hair and put it on his grave like ah yeah you need like, like a cutscene like for this yeah some cinematic <laughs> yeah yeah you need a little cinematic moment <laughs> and, and that I mean honestly that would probably make me cry because I, as we all get older we start losing people and. Mm. The only thing that I can ever think to do is not something grand when I lose someone. It's just something simple and small to kind of commemorate a moment. Mm -hmm. And that's where games can really excel is giving you little moments of yeah, or, or sadness or grief or, or basically dealing with humanity. Yeah. Because that's, that's what games are trying to do, really. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to be an analog for the human experience to, like, allow us to experience things that hopefully we don't have to go through or if we do go through them another way to to get through it and to deal with it and to just experience that in in interesting ways um there's a game called uh greece g-r-i-s it's an italian game and it looks like a watercolor painting it's beautiful and 
it's completely nonverbal. It kind of reminds me of Journey a little bit, except mm -hmm. it's single player and it's uh, 2D. Um, but it's supposed to be about grief, is what I heard later after I played it. But when I played it, I saw it about, it was about self, self-actualization, about losing confidence in yourself and then mm. finding yourself along the way and like rebuilding yourself, even through your self-doubt. Like realizing that you can still be strong even with the, the loss of believing in yourself. Um, I've played a, a lot of uh, uh, Diablo 3, because Diablo is like one of my favorite franchises. Mm -hmm. And one thing that was kind of subtle, and I, I bet, well, actually it might have been intentional. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, the uh, companions that you fight with. So if you play solo mode, you can have the, oh gosh, the Scoundrel, the Enchantress, or the Templar come mm -hmm. fight with you. And they're all kind of different personalities. And um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Since it was the, the lady, I, I chose these. Usually, you choose the enchantress. Plus, she heals and stuns people, so it makes them really easy to kill. Uh, now, you can—you don't have to do anything for them, but you know, you have like you can have conversations with them, and they talk kind of just while you're adventuring, just chit chat, or talking about like how she was frozen in a, like a stasis for a thousand years, and you like kind of like talk about like so what was that like? And I'm like, wow, we're actually just talking. And it w I loved that so much because I actually got to just learn about them. And I found myself over time, they have like a, like a limited amount of equipment slots compared to you, but you can go get them like extra tokens, things that make them fight better, or things that just make them, you know, like a piece of armor, piece of weaponry, piece of jewelry. And every time I, I would pick something up, I'm like, oh, would that be good for my enchantress? Cool. A and, I, and I found myself like just looking for things for her because because we were traveling together, and it it made it a much more important part of the game uh, for me, not necessarily mechanics-wise, because it really didn't actually boost her stats that much. I just wanted her to have the same like the same kind of good equipment that I was getting. I don't think it was fair that I should get everything good. <laughs> I want her to have something good, too. And I think in one of the expansions, they finally put in, like, for each of those characters, a kind of like a secret bonus mission. So if you want to talk to them in a certain section, you got to go experience a resolution to each of their stories. Because each of them had some sort of tragic, like uh, when I became a Templar, I was betrayed by the Templar society and they killed my family kind of thing. Or the late, the Enchantress was frozen in time where the scoundrel, uh, his brother went to jail for him and he's not seen him in 15 years and he doesn't know if he's alive. So each of them got to have a resolution quest where they go figure out the rest of their story and you get to go help them kind of as their companion and I thought that was I, I mean I was just so happy I was so happy I got to go do that for them uh, and I'm I'm just really glad, I'm gonna cry I'm just really glad that I got yeah that, that, that that's someone on their team was like you know what mm -hmm. we're missing this little not little this big circle in the player experience Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things uh, that I've really liked uh, in terms of character experience. So I, I play a lot of XCOM 2. Uh, and I've gotten into XCOM since they've made it much more. Uh, I guess they've made the, the little soldiers more uh, human because it's very it's a top down. It's like a isometric game. And uh, the way they like cut to close-ups if you got a, a good shot and then the enemy goes flying and then you see them like reload their gun and you're like, yeah, Widow, you got this! And because they all get nicknames and stuff like that. And 
systemically they make you they make you really involved in the story without doing anything narratively yeah, it's one of them goes down yeah, if they die, then you're super, super bummed about it, and they make a big deal about it. But one of the things I thought that was really interesting they introduced in XCOM 2 was the, um, the friendship system. Uh, so if you have some of your squad mates uh, on missions together a particular amount of times, randomly, they may become bonded. So they become friends. They're like really close, or whatever you want to consider bonded to be. I often want to think of it as a romance, but uh, it doesn't confirm or deny that. And uh, then if they have that bond, then you can increase that bond by sending them on missions together more. And that bond will give them bonuses. Like if they're right next to each other, they get a certain like fortification bonus or a, an aim bonus or something like that. But if one of them dies, and one of them gets shot, the other one panics. And they either bunker down or they start randomly shooting. They could shoot someone else on the squad. Like, they have an emotional reaction to what happens when the person they're bonded to goes down. And I loved that so much because it gave them, it gave them so much agency and it, it gave them an emotional position beyond just listening to me barking orders in their ear. Like, they had an illicit reaction that I had no control over. And then they're panicked for a full round and I can't do anything. I was like, well, maybe I need to go send another soldier to protect them because they clearly can't be helped right now. Like they, they yeah. can't move, they're panicked. I can't control them, I lose control over them. Uh, I loved that, I loved that system. I like systems that subvert my expectations of control and give NPCs agency and allow them to live their own life and I have to respond to it. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that, like you said in video games, a lot of times they look, a lot of people, the whole reason they play is to be a winner or come out on top and stuff like that. But it's also kind of along the same lines, like in cinema and stuff like that, like everybody always wants, or a lot of people always want that fairy tale ending. But there is a large group of people, and there's a lot to say for those movies that have a tragic ending or something happens that, and or a romance actually acts like something that would happen in real life. Like, no, we're not going to get back together because you flew across the country like some crazy person. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Go against you know, every like, classic rom com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, or like the, the hero runs into battle at the very front of the lines and survives at the end. No, he dies because he was in the front of the lines and got hit by six people. Mm -hmm. Like, there's there's something to say for both sides. Like, sometimes people just... We emotionally tie ourselves to video games. I, I, my, uh, my wife is not big into video games. I've tried. I've tried so hard. <laughs> um, but, I mean, she understands that it's like... It's like my movies. They're like interactive movies to me. They're they're my stories, and I get to actually be a part of it and live it. It's an escape from reality. And so I I tend to side with you. Like I don't necessarily want it to be fairy tale ending or happy this or I don't want it to be easy. And I don't and I, I like it when it's more realistic, maybe even a little bit dark or just something that's more relatable to what. I may experience in real life. 
I think you can also for it. I think you can push too far in the other direction. Uh, when I look at stuff like Walking Dead, where it's like sadness porn, because you just know <laughs> just everyone's this gonna person. die in a gruesome way. Um, and also the other thing I can see is when you have a choice to kill or spare someone, you just know that character is not gonna matter, regardless, in the rest of your game. Because if you did kill them, if you did kill them, how would the game play out without them? And so we had this thing with with uh, stuff at Telltale, where if a character died in one episode or had the option to die but didn't, then like going through the next few episodes, you're like, oh, they're marked for death. They're not dead yet, but they are marked for death because they died, and we can't create that much uh, branching content to say that this person can live. I watch more video games than I play these days. Mm. I watch Let's Plays oh. and Twitch. And You're a Generation Z now. I, well, it's just <laughs> easier for me in my schedule. No, I, I agree. <laughs> and it's so, and like, the thing is that if I get into a game, like, it can be bad. It can be four, six, eight hours bad. Do you guys have, do you have game dreams? Like when you get like if you if you get like really into a game when you first start playing it, then you start dreaming about the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. You get enveloped in the character. I, I like just, reading a book. Too. I've had Overwatch dreams. I mean, those are more logistical because you know, it's just the fights. <laughs> like I don't think I'm in the game. I don't think I'm one of the but characters. Like, I am. Like playing the I'm game. dreaming about playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> the game. Yeah. Or how bad you're playing the game. Yeah, just like logistically, how I'm going to deal with you know this yeah. this bastion around the corner and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Do you like win? Like just something super awesome that you wake up and go, wait, did I? Uh, did I? No, I've never had Shoot. one of those. <laughs> it's always, I mean, I think it, it's more just like uh, brought on by stress mm. when I'm stressed and it, it's a problem that I can't solve because in real life there's a problem that is stress, that is time, that is whatever. And so it's manifesting as Overwatch in my dreams. <laughs> Uh, so, so we've been talking for a, a while, and I've I've been enjoying it. Uh, but normally, we have a few questions that we since since we do drink a little bit while we're on the podcast that we like to ask about just about alcohol in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to change a little bit, but uh, do you actually do you ever drink while you play games? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I drink sometimes. Like I'll have a drink when I play Overwatch. Yeah. Uh, I don't play competitive though. <laughs> when I've had a drink, I just play Mystery Heroes because that's my favorite. Cool. Uh, just because it's random, and it also lets me play Hanzo or Widowmaker without anyone yelling at me. Because I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it, but I like I like the experience. I was like, I'm going to try Widowmaker. Why not? And Mystery Heroes lets me do that randomly um, so that I can just play stuff. But I'll have, like, one drink and just hang out on my computer. Yeah. Like a... It's it's weird. My my first thought is kind of like a sporting event. It's like kind of watching a foot. Well, I don't watch football, but <laughs> I I assume <laughs> it's like that sports ball everyone's talking right? about. <laughs> yeah, TC makes fun of me for that. Like I do call it sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I I only really like I'll have a drink when I'm playing a game that I know really well that I'm playing mm. as a an escape. And not as something that like I want to sit down and experience this. Like I wouldn't have a drink right before I play uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, Ooh, um, no. which you have a drink after you play that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do it yeah. for horror games because I, I don't like horror games because because uh, I, I, I like and like with the game Dreams I get way too invested. Oh no. And so like I I, I need I, I I have to take the edge off going in. 
See, I just don't play horror games. I, well, I used to do game reviews. So, <laughs> so like, I would get horror games like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. And, like, one of them, and I, I give him mad respect, um, Sean Bean does the voiceover in it. And knowing Sean Bean, he was already dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you find that in, like, I don't know, like, a quarter way into the game. I'm like, oh, you guys are great. Because it was, like, an Icelandic developer. Mm-hmm. And they just, they know. They know, yeah. like, yeah, no, we, we got you. Yeah. Let's cast John. I know a movie that Sean Bean is in that he doesn't die. Black Beauty. Uh, I was going to say, like, it could be, like, a biopic. Just on Sean Bean. Yeah. Like, no, no, he's, he's still around. He's kicking. Black yeah. Beauty. Yeah. When did that movie come out? Uh, mid-90s, I think. Yeah. Danny Elfman did the music. It was really pretty. I don't yeah. remember it. I just I don't know who did the music. We were watching that. Danny Elfman, yeah, so good. Benji and Benji House and Broomsticks. Yes. <laughs> that was the rotation at the grandma's house. Not, not, yeah, Ben House and Broomsticks. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Not Chitty Chitty. I was, was I was in that rotation too. I was a Chitty Chitty guy. Just <laughs> listening, watching the video for Me Old Bamboo again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, it was for reference. <laughs> so, uh, a full disclosure, your mom's mm-hmm. in the room, but uh, normally we like to ask uh, what your first drink was. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> think. Well, my mom always gave me sips of things. Which, I've been finding that's been a common thread. A lot of yeah. people get like little sips. Yeah. So let's say like your first, like you're allowed to hold a beverage and, hold and, a, and drink to it. A beverage. Mm. Uh... I think my first drink, ugh, it was either, neither of these are good. It was either when I was in high school, it was uh, a shot of tequila, which I immediately regretted, um, or it was the cheap beer I had at my first college party, and then I went home, and I was living at home at the time, Um, and it was, I had had two Bud Light Bud Light beers. That's in, actually one of the better ones people have mentioned. Oh, so okay, good, go. good. For that age. This is Milwaukee's best or anything. Yes, some ice house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had two beers, and then I came, and I was living home at home at the time for my freshman year of college, and the best part was I came home, and Maddie, Maddie was home, my, my sibling, and they're two years younger than me, and uh, they're like, what? where did you go? And I was like, oh, I went to this Halloween party. And I, was, I felt so cool because freshman in college, I was like, oh yeah, I had two beers, it's fine. And they went, I've lost so much respect for you. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't get like blackout drunk or anything. I had two shitty beers. <laughs> Is there like a, like a favorite cocktail or like, a, like experience the cocktail? Like you went out and you just had like the perfect Whatever it is. is there, mm. Do you have like one of those moments? Oh man, I have a couple. I love going to Smuggler's Cove in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. I don't think we've ever ran into each other there, but I usually go there every really? GDC. Oh, we should, we should have a little field trip. Yeah. Because yeah. I always want to go out there and just sit in a wicker chair for a couple hours and sip some stuff. I usually go in my kilt and get free drinks. Oh, that's amazing. Because people go, <laughs> I don't know why you have kilt on in here, but have a cocktail. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love all the drinks there, and uh, I tried their hot buttered rum there. Mm. Um, and then I bought their recipe book, so I make their hot buttered rum at home. I didn't know they had a recipe book. Yeah, yeah, it's super good. What do you yeah. make at home? Hmm? Uh, hot buttered rum. The hot buttered rum. Yeah, and, the, and that's where I discovered like demerara syrup. Like I had no idea 
uh, and now I use Demerara syrup in pretty much everything. Yes. Uh, it's so good. Um, my currently one of my uh, close friends in Austin makes a very good old fashioned. Whenever I'm at his house, I'm just like, yes, please, one of your old old fashions, please. It's just so sweet and doesn't like kick you too much in the face. Like you know, it has alcohol in it, but it's not like burning your nostrils, and it's really really good. Um, and then my favorite my favorite drink is uh, rum, uh, Kraken rum and Dr Pepper which I drank a lot of them when I was at Telltale, so I, I kept saying Roman Dr. Pepper, so I just sh shortened it to Roman Doctor. I was like, I would like a Roman Doctor, please. <laughs> I say you call it Cracked Pepper. Cracked Pepper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be good. But yeah, those, those are my favorites. Nice. I like that. TC, am I missing any questions? Have you ever, if, if you can't think of one, it's been a struggle lately, but it's one of our favorite questions. <laughs> What's your most profound drunk thought? Your most... <laughs> or like realization. Something like while you were drinking, and you're like, aha! And either it could be goofy, it could be borderline genius, or it could just be fun to share that you just remember. Gosh, I don't know if I can remember any moment when I thought so I was smart. When I was drinking. I, I, I think which we haven't been getting people drunk enough on the yeah. podcast recently. <laughs> I think that's part of it. Yeah, you just got to get back in that mindset right. to remember what you did. Specific. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. <laughs> this is going to sound... Okay, I have one. <laughs> it's going to sound super, super cheesy. Um, but uh, so when I met uh, my husband in college... Uh, he was a year younger than me, and I terrified the crap out of him because I just walked up to him and I sat on the arm chair, uh, on the chair of the arm he was sitting in. I'm like, "Sup?" And this was at a party where there were a bunch of guys following me around, and I was like, "You know, I want to talk to this one." And uh, we had nice conversations and all that, and he was really sweet. And it turned out we lived in the same dorm, and a bunch of us lived in the same dorm, so they, we all took the train back. Uh, it was in Chicago. We all took the train back to the dorm, and. Uh, we, he got off uh, two floors below me, and he's like, hey, if you ever want to just hang out and play board games or whatever, uh, let me know. And the way he said it was just so nice and, like, friendly. And everyone else had been hitting on me all night and trying to get in my pants. And I was just like, this person just wants to be my friend. And I was, like, immediately, like, I like this guy. I really like him. Like, I like, like him. And uh, I think it, I don't think it was that night. I think it was another night that I was a little tipsy and I'd seen him at, the, at a party and uh, then we all went back to our rooms and I was in the dorm and I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm gonna go down there for a booty call. I'm just gonna do it. He's down two floors, I'm gonna do it. And I got to the door and I'm about to knock and I was like, I care too much about this relationship I'm building to do this. And so I went back to my room so I think that was probably my most hmm. profound <laughs> drunk moment. Uh, I, I think that's all our questions. So yeah. normally we play a very short game. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit like Russian roulette, but with booze. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to use whiskey since we've been drinking rum. Actually, yeah, no, because whiskey's going to be about the same color. So do you know what Malort is? Being as that you yes. went to school in Chicago? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have, I have Malort, and we call it Mix Match Malort. Uh -huh. So it's actually like three-card Monty, I should say. So we have three glasses to have not Malort, and one, one does. Uh -huh. I usually pour them, then I 
turn away or look away, you pick one, then TC picks one, and I pick the last one. Okay. Uh, I lost this about two hours ago. Okay. So, <laughs> so you got a pretty good chance. Okay, okay. All right. Mixed Sounds good. Match my lord. Oh, that's right. All right, let's, uh, I'll sit down. Are you ready for Mix Match Malloy? All right. That was, you didn't realize that volume on that right there was about six times louder than anything else in this whole interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I just watched everything spike. <laughs> there, I don't know. I guess I got excited. It's all good. Yeah. Mix Match Malloy is good to be excited. Okay, mm -hmm. let's see. Uh, cups, cups. Oh, we got two cups right here. <laughs> Okay. All right. What do I do? So, uh, uh, so you get to pick first. Okay. Um, there, there are three cups. One has Malort. Two have Knob Creek whiskey. No, I got pee. Yeah. I feel like a Vizzini <laughs> clever man would pick, take from yes. his own goblet. There is, there is, there is yes. not one episode where at least we're not thinking it. If we're not <laughs> actually saying it out loud, because, because yeah. No, right. this one. I the the this so the one right before this uh, I just sat them there and I and I made everyone else turn around then I turned around mm -hmm. so I actually did put it right in front of me, hoping that <laughs> maybe uh, I definitely yeah I definitely got it. <laughs> TC, I'll take the one closest to you since you just said that. Take the one. Well, so this time I I, I did like the the three card Monty shuffle, I so I have, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> TC. Cheers. I'm. <laughs> You gonna smell it beforehand? I did smell it. <laughs> That's not bad. Do you get Malort? No, I think I. No. Oh no, no you you know. No. Yeah. Way. Yeah. I got the Malort. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the worst. Like I'm the biggest baby when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> but it was my idea for the game. <laughs> That's so bad. It's, oh. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I will say that's a little perfect because in the last three that we've recorded, it's been the guest, it's been me, it's been you. Yeah. We're starting oh, out season three. Yeah, or season two very well. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you for taking one for the team. Yeah. I'm the biggest baby when it comes to that stuff. It's so, <laughs> so stringent and so nasty. Mm. We had one guest that said that they actually kind of like that. That should be a litmus test for serial killers. <laughs> and then, like, or you've killed all your like a buds. month later, NPR started talking about a story where the uh, there's some scientists that actually found that people with a predilection to better tastes uh, have some sort of statistical correlation between like that and mass murderers. Correlation, not not, causation. not causation, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, like, when you're when you're a baby, you have so many more taste buds than you do as mm -hmm. an adult because you can taste like color mm -hmm. and then as you get older you taste less and less so the more refined palate is just more of your taste buds have died off so yeah you're you're more uh uh you like the more bitter things yeah because you can still taste them mm -hmm. right yeah no it's, it's um smokers are actually the same way it's most a lot of smokers like hot sauce because mm -hmm. they can still well technically feel it <laughs> because of the, 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 the capsaicin, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I like hot sauce and I don't smoke. Hey, and that's about the end of the interview. We kind of trailed off at the end there, so, so I trimmed off the uh, the end of that interview. Dragon Con's an interesting experience. But you're still listening, so that must mean you liked the interview and the episode. So please leave us a review, say hello, uh, either 
on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Google, Spotify. We're on all of them. You can also go to our website and leave a comment on the episode at wastednowledgepodcast.com. Uh, we're also at Wasted K Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, so say hello to us on there. If you want to hear full episodes, because this was a two-hour-plus interview that we cut down into two 30-minute chunks, go to patreon.com forward slash Wasted Knowledge, and you can actually become a backer and listening to full episodes there. Uh, if you ever want to, come send us a message to be on the show. We'd love to interview you and have you. Uh, you can just send us an email at wastedknowledgepodcast at gmail.com or contact us through any other social media. We really appreciate you listening, so thank you so much. Stay tuned for more episodes for Season 2. And as always, drink responsibly and get a safe ride home. Cheers.